What's wrong with you people? Welcome to not another Baptist podcast that is just like every other Baptist podcast or any other Christian podcast for that matter. My name is Matt Hensley and I'm joined as most always by Kyle, non-alcoholic beer man, or as my Siri likes to say, boar man. And he is kind of boring. <laughs> it's good to see you, Kyle. You doing okay? Doing well. I don't care because we have a much better guest. And today we have Ronnie Kurtz on the show. And uh, so welcome to the show, Ronnie. We're glad you have joined us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, Kyle. I do care about you, just so you know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. of course. Of course. I mean, it's good. I mean, to... we're, we're, survi- we're surviving the first week of school like everyone. So, that's right. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's good, as good as it can uh, be. Good to be with you guys. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, well, speaking of the first week of school, seminarians and all of that, you know, whether kindergarten or your last year of seminary, everybody seems to be going back right now. We've got all of the pictures flooding social media. But if you are looking for a Christ-centered, scripture-driven, and student-focused undergraduate education, then look no further than Texas Baptist College, located in Fort Worth, Texas. And on October 21st, you have the opportunity to explore everything TBC has to offer at their fall preview day. Students and parents are invited to tour the campus, talk to the faculty, explore degree offerings, and meet fellow students. And so let Texas Baptist College help you find your calling. And this is a free event, so you can get registered today at texasbaptist.com forward slash preview. So, Ronnie, in case people don't know who you are. Tell us who you are, where you serve, what you do, a little bit about your family, all that good stuff. Yeah, I. Uh, my name is Ronnie Kurtz. I teach at Cedarville University. I teach uh, theology here at Cedarville University in Ohio, and um, just have a heart for helping God's people see the good and, and glorious task that is theology used in a way that maximizes their joy, glorifies the Lord, and is good for their neighbor. And so I have a few books coming out this fall, uh, one which we'll talk about today, another one a little more nerdy, uh, a little more academic on divine immutability um, and how God's unchanging nature impacts an unchanging salvation. That was kind of what I wrote my dissertation on. Um, So yeah, been here in Ohio since January, so somewhat new for me, been here about eight months. I have a wife and a two-year-old daughter. Um, while I was in school doing my, uh, too many degrees I did, uh, I helped plant a church in Kansas city, Missouri. And so pastored for about eight years and, and absolutely loved that. So kind of see myself in a dual role of, uh, living in both the academic world and the ministry world and just kind of decided with a love of both kind of decided early on that, that unless the Lord makes me choose, I'm going to try to live in both worlds as long as possible. <laughs> And and I know I, I know your students benefit from that uh, incredibly uh, well. Uh, that was a blessing for me in in my seminary studies, even you know college studies at Dallas Baptist, is having a lot of teachers that were uh, it, at least very involved in leadership roles at church. Sometimes as pastors, but sometimes you know just kind of lay leaders, that kind of deal. And it was always such a blessing to to have that kind of practical side of you know, the the rigor and all the academia and the theology, the deep stuff that we were getting into, also seeing that on a practical scale 
with our churches. And so before we kind of dive into the book, uh, I think that would be a great place to start is as a, and this is going to lead us to the the book, I'm sure, is is as pastors, you know, we're dealing with theology. Of course, when we dig into God's Word to preach as student pastors, as we're teaching our, our lessons to students, even as worship pastors, as we're leading songs, you know, that are rich in theology and so forth. Uh, talk about kind of the intersection uh, between practical theology and just everyday pastoral ministry as, as, as you see it. How, how does theology help us uh, be practical uh, ministers and leaders in our churches? Yeah, absolutely. I love this question. This is uh, this is the intersection where I want to spend most of my life. So happy to talk here. Uh, first, I think it's important to to define theology. I think that will right size kind of what we're after here. And <clears throat> coming from a long line of 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 folks who have faithful theologians who have defined theology this way, I, I like to define theology as the contemplation of God and everything in relation to God. So that's an important definition because that means anytime you have a thought about God uh, or anytime you say something about God, you are practicing theology, uh, which means uh, everyone is a theologian. Everyone has thoughts about God. Even an atheistic understanding of there is no God is a theology. Now, we would say it's a wrong theology, but it is a theology. And so that means anyone who has thoughts or words about God is a theologian. So the question of if you're going to be a theologian is kind of settled for you. You are. Uh, then the more pertinent question becomes, are you going to be a good one? <laughs> and uh, the intersection of theology and ministry is, is so vital because <clears throat> I want to say both. I want to say two things kind of out of two sides of my mouth, if I can. One, the first thing I want to say is theology is gloriously practical. Uh, and in fact, I would argue that anytime theology isn't practical, it means that the theology is not done yet. I often challenge my students and say, you know, if you want to theologize for theology's sake, find me one clause in the New Testament that's written for just theology's sake. And the reality is I know they can't. You know, even when you take the greatest theological work, something like the book of Romans, which is just, you know, laced with glorious theology. The reality is Romans is a letter written to the church at Rome. And so it is a churchly and ecclesial letter. All of the theology of Romans is not meant to simply theologize. It's meant to give the church a strong foundation for faithfulness. And so theology should lead to church health. Now, with that being said... I also want to say out of the other side of my mouth that I don't want theology to become simply um, kind of pragmatic. Mm -hmm. I actually think that contemplating God, getting a grander vision of who God is and what God is doing is the most practical thing you could do as a minister. Uh, there is nothing more glorious you could give to your people than a grander view of who God is. There is nothing more, there's no better gift you could give to your people than a clearer view of who God is. And so I do think while all theology is practical, letting our mind's eye just simply gaze at God and behold him, as Second Corinthians uh, says, behold him from one degree of glory to another, uh, that in itself is a really worthwhile endeavor for any Christian. But before Kyle takes over real quick with a question, uh, as you were saying that last bit, 
reminded of our, you know, first drive down the mountain when we were in Mayhill, New Mexico. I serve in Mayhill Baptist and we go down into the desert where Kyle was serving and there's nothing to see down there except just heat and Kyle's ugly face. But then I would leave and go back up the mountain. And the very first time I did that, uh, there is this drive that leads up and there's like a uh, kind of a short tunnel. And as you go into and it's like you you get this break between sort of that desert barrenness and then just this lush green mountain and just it was beautiful and and it literally stopped me i've moved over to the side and i'm just looking at this i never I'm from texas we're surrounded by you know houses and you know buildings and all of this kind of stuff and and the trees are about the only respite you get from uh you know the heat but but anyway i was just staring at this and in that sunday uh, I, I just encouraged our church. I was like, y'all drive down there every week to go get groceries, to do whatever errands you have to do, all of that kind of stuff. Take a moment the next time you do and just stop and yeah. remember that God created that. And uh, and so I tell that story. And then my my wife, one time as we're making this this trip, Kyle's not, Kyle knows the story. She's looking over the side and this there's just like a cliff that goes just straight down and there's all kinds of little trees and flowers and all this kind of stuff on there. And Rebecca's like, I wonder who planted all of that. Like how they get over there and plant all of that. And I, I paused for, are you serious? Like, she said, yeah. I said, God. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Oh, and, and it was like this, this, it was just so beautiful, so creative. And it just stopped us in our tracks. And just those moments where, Maybe it's the the sunset or the sunrise or or a particularly clear night that you can see stars and know that God has numbered you know named them and and numbered them and and all of this kind of stuff and that just I, I love that as you said that is just to to encourage our people to see the grandeur in the majesty right. of of God the bigness of God and mm-hmm. uh, I love that so Kyle uh, get us back on uh, on the yeah. on the book a little bit. Yeah, well, Ronnie, so in the next two weeks or so, um, Fruitful Theology is uh, is releasing. And and I love the, um, on Amazon, the, the, the byline on the book, because it starts and it says, why do the theologians rage? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I mean, anybody who's on social media, certainly in, in Christian circles, will see there's a, there's a lot of anger out there among theologians, among people who profess to follow Christ. And lots of anger about cultural issues, lots of anger about, uh, you know, interdenominational issues or, or um, issues within the, the family of Christianity. And, and so talk to us just a little bit about why you wrote the book and, and kind of what, how you hope to reshape the conversations that are happening in, yeah, in our world. Yeah, right absolutely. Um, for anyone who even slightly enjoys theology, it's... To be totally frank, it, it's pretty easy to be discouraged today by what is considered theological discourse or the way people talk who take the title of theologian. Um, it can be discouraging because there seems to be a lot of backbiting. There seems to be a lot of sarcasm. There seems to be a lot of cynicism and really just kind of tearing one another down. And it not only could be different, but it should be. Uh, Christian theology should be Christian. And uh, that's not a brilliant idea. And basically what I, out of a place of kind of exhaustion of just what you see online and even in 
the last couple of years, you know, forget the online discourse. A lot of us are dealing with unique division in our local congregations due to a number of, you know, social issues or cultural cultural conversations that are happening right now. And it just felt like I and my pastoral friends and, and just different church members were just feeling a touch discouraged and exhausted. And theology kind of started tasting sour to some of the people I cared most about. And so I wanted to write something that basically tried to go a different direction, swim upstream from the divisive, backbiting nature of online discourse and ecclesial discord that I was seeing in the current age. And what I basically wanted to do was show that theology done well is actually soul-forming. Uh, it's person shaping in meaningful ways. And when I think about the kind of person theology should form, what came up over and over again, again, this is not brilliant at all, is the fruit of the spirit. And so I use Galatians 5 as kind of the backbone of the book. And really all I'm doing is showing how a sustained focus on God and what God is doing can lead in, can lead to the kind of virtues that make up the fruit of the spirit in your soul. So theology done well should lead to love. Theology done well should lead to patience and to kindness and to gentleness and to self-control. And those are not the kind of words we're often using today to describe those who partake in theology. In fact, one of the things that was kind of mind-blowing to me as I was doing the research and prep work for the book is in Galatians 5, when Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, he also lists the works of the flesh, and he contrasts them. A life in the Spirit is going to look like this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. And a life in the flesh is going to look like this. And that list, not everything is applicable to this conversation, but many of them are. In the works of the flesh are things like jealousy, outbursts of anger, uh, selfish ambition, um, divisiveness, discord. Those are all things that are in Paul's list of the works of the flesh. And it just struck me that it is such a shame that what takes place under the name of theology today, especially online, etc., can be more accurately described by the works of the flesh than it can the fruit of the Spirit. And so that that's kind of the argument of the book, is theology should lead to the kind of vision of God in which transforms you into a gentle, self-controlled, patient, peaceful, loving human being. So it, it's funny that you mentioned the fruit of the spirit. I actually, I led a Bible study on that yesterday here okay. at our church. Well, I thought and you were going to say um, because I don't live it I, or something. Like I thought, no, I no. <laughs> but so so about three weeks ago, um, our, our pastor is on sabbatical right now, and I was supposed to preach the first um, the first Sunday of his sabbatical. He had just finished walking through the seven letters in Revelation, and so I was trying to my, my my plan was to kind of piggyback off of that. And I thought, you know, the last letter is Laodicea. And I'm like, okay, how, how do we avoid being a Laodicea? And and, and through that, I, I I came to the fruit of the Spirit. And I was like, these are the things that that, that help us to avoid being a luke, lukewarm. And, you know, just, I mean, where Jesus says, hey, look, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. 
my wife tested positive for COVID. So I had like this wonderful, like life changing sermon ready to go. Right. I mean, I mean, man, the altars were going to be filled Yeah, and, of course. you know, and, and my, my wife tested positive that morning. So I didn't get to, so, so my, my sermon turned into about a 15 minute Bible study yesterday for Wednesday noon, but huh? I, I, I was able to contrast, um, what, what, what you talked about, you know, the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. And, and so many of the works of the flesh are impulsive things, right? I mean, I, you know, something happens and this is how I respond to it. And it's, it's an, it can, it can be an instantaneous decision that comes out of a heart that's not centered on Christ, but almost all the fruit of the spirit are things that are cultivated, things that don't come naturally to us. And so I, I think you touched on this a little bit, flesh out just a little bit more. How does theology, how does proper theology done, done rightly help cultivate the fruit of the spirit in us, because it, that, those are not instantaneous things. Those are things that take a long time to develop in the life of a believer. Yeah, that's a really insightful question. And I think you're exactly right. Um, a word that I use in the book quite a bit is rooted, searching for a rooted kindness that's that's grander than mere niceness, searching for a rooted joy that's grander than just a lack of sorrow. And I think you're exactly right. There needs for those kinds of virtues to be in your life, the virtues that make up the fruit of the spirit. Uh, you'll need a stable rootedness that is otherworldly in some sense. And my, I think theology, one of the things I want to communicate clearly in the book is theology is not a sufficient ingredient to give you those things. Uh, doing theology well is not enough to be kind or uh, have stable wisdom, but I do think it's a necessary ingredient. So it's not sufficient, but it's necessary. Um, I think there's beyond theology, there's things like relational uh, wisdom, emotional wisdom, ecclesial wisdom that you need to be that kind of person. But I do think while it's not a sufficient condition, it's a necessary condition. And so I think a a grand view of who God is can provide the kind of rootedness that a person needs, especially in our culture when like the headlines are changing every five seconds um, and the thing that's debated is changing every five seconds. I think theology can provide you a rootedness that will allow you to be a loving, uh, self-controlled, patient kind of person. And uh, I think that's going to be the thing that makes exactly what you're talking about a reality that the works of the flesh really are reactionary and i think by the way this is why paul ends the fruit of the spirit with self-control i think self-control is kind of the anchor point that's a catch-all of like and by the way all of these works of the flesh they're they're fixed by having a rooted self-control and so i do think that's a pretty important uh virtue within the fruit of the spirit but I do think there needs these things will only come from a a rooted life, and that's where I think theology comes into play. I'd like to just point out that first time in history that Dr. Kyle Beerman was called insightful. Like <laughs> that's, that's absolutely right. <laughs> I will, uh, I'm, I'm just going to like put that up on my whiteboard. You know, like insightful question. <laughs> Ronnie Kurtz. Yeah. <laughs> it's, going, it's going right here on my whiteboard. I, I had the thing from Al Jazeera. The extremely interesting man uh, that is on my nameplate now in my office. So I feel like we should get Kyle a nameplate that says insightful question asker or something like that. Um, I support it. 
Yeah, Ronnie. Uh, but this is for all the smart people. This is for you know. This is for the the professors and and the you know all the pastors that are you know doctor so and so. You know that that's not for us. How how do you kind of respond to the whole? Uh, you know, theology is is for the thinkers and in the the world of academia. It's not for the local church. How how do you kind of lead them to see theology as immensely practical for daily life? You know, with bills and kids at home, with cancer, with you know all the different things that we face. Absolutely. Uh, a passage that I've referenced already in this in this conversation and that I referenced a number of times in the book is from Second Corinthians, in which Paul is instructing the Corinthian church, telling them that um, unlike Moses that we see in Exodus, with unveiled face, you and I will behold Christ uh, from one degree of glory and be conformed into his image. I honestly think this is the model of the Christian life is by faith, we behold Christ until our faith becomes sight and we're truly beholding him at the end of all things. And so I think if theology can be understood as a glorious beholding, not an academic dry process, but an actual glorious beholding and a gazing at that which we love or gazing at that person that we love who is Christ. And we use theology not as an end. Theology is not an end in itself. And if it is, it's a pathetic end in itself. What we're after in taking hold of the tool that is theology is we are after God. God is our prize. God is our reward. He's the one we want. And theology happens to be a useful tool to get God. And so in so much as theology can be a tool by which we behold Christ, I actually think we're partaking in heavenly things. I think at the end of all things, when we're in heaven, the thing we will be doing is beholding him. And we will get to gaze at his his glory and beauty for all eternity. And it's remarkably kind of the Lord to allow us a foretaste of that now. And again, theology isn't enough. You have to do more than theology. But it is a really glorious tool in partaking in that beholding him now. And so I would say, I don't care what your academic pedigree is. I don't care if you're a reader or not. The most practical thing you can do to form your soul is behold Christ. Look at him until you start to look like him. And theology is one really helpful way to look at him, at least look at him clearly. Yeah. With, with that, give give us, you know, we, we could number it if you want, you know, two or three or four, you know, ways or something. But you know, a lot of the guys that are going to be listening to this, whether pastors or lay leaders, whatever it might be, uh, do day, daily Bible readings, that kind of thing. And, and a lot of times it's very tempting to just check it off. You know, we read, you know, Matthew one through five today, and, and then we move on with our day and we just kind of move on. What would be some practical steps uh, to to really kind of do what you just said? We've got our Bible reading or even sermon prep or whatever, where we think, what what does this say about God? What is this teaching us about theology? You know, that kind of deal. Just give us maybe one or two or three practical ways to take your daily Bible intake and and make it that kind of theological and that worshipful uh, process as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the folks who are listening to this, who are doing a daily Bible reading or prepping sermons or prepping Sunday school curriculum or or whatever it may be, are already doing the most important step. 
which is being in the word, being consistent in prayer. I think those are are really big are are really big in the in the task of becoming a theologian. The reality is the Lord revealed himself by a book and so we are to be bookish people. We are to be a people of the book. And so time in the word uh is is key. If we're going to be a people of the book, we need to be in the book. And so that that that's huge. I would say to have the mindset of reading worshipfully is a skill that's it's worthy of cultivation. You'll often hear people say something like, you know, uh, make sure that your sermon prep time, you have that and you have your curriculum development time, but also have your quiet time and, you know, for your own soul. So you're not just building curriculum for other people's souls. And I get what people are saying by that, but I've just never wanted to dichotomize the time I'm spending in the word for like a sermon or a message prep and devotional realities. I want my own soul to be stirred as I'm prepping a sermon or as I'm reading my daily readings or whatever it may be. And so ways that you can do that is just have eyes to see the grandeur and grace of God while you're doing your normal Bible activities. So ask questions like, what is this text saying about who God is? Or what is this text saying about what God has accomplished? I think even as practical questions as those two can be really helpful in cultivating the eyes to see God's grandeur and grace. Well, Ronnie, as, as we wrap up here, I, uh, I'm interested to see. So I know this is a theology book, but it is not, it's not a B&H academic book. So, the, so this is not, as Matt said earlier, this is not just for like kind of professional theologians. Pastors should read it, but but it's, it's for beyond just those in the pulpit who are studying, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I purposely, I tried really hard to make this accessible. And there's a reason this is not B&H academic, it's B&H trade. That was on purpose. Um, I tried, uh, I, I don't come from a Christian family. And uh, I tried to write it in a way that even the least Christian of my family members could get at what I'm what I'm trying to communicate here. So, yeah, hopefully, if I did my job, uh, just about anyone, regardless of academic pedigree, could pick it up and, and benefit from it. What he means to say is that even Kyle can read and understand. <laughs> even I, yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, well, Ronnie, we thank you so much for coming on and uh, and tell us again when when it comes out, when it releases, and uh, where folks can find it. Yeah, August 30th is release date, so we're we're getting pretty close. Uh, so kind of uh, at the time of this recording, it's still in pre-order stage. You can get it basically anywhere books are sold, Amazon. Uh, Barnes and Noble, Lifeway, whatever. Awesome. So, hey, I really appreciate you guys having me on. This is this is a, a fun conversation, and I really appreciate what you guys do here on the show. And so, keep up the good work. Uh, appreciate you both. We appreciate it. And, and Kyle, Thanks, you're my favorite insightful friend named Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, so I'll take it. Hey, thanks for listening today. And until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. What's wrong with you people?